0: Come on, let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. It's so good to see everybody here today. And uh, my bride is not here because she's doing this. Probably one of the only times she'll tell you she's glad she's missing church. But we we're excited, and Peyton and Holly just did an amazing job. So thankful for what God's doing. It's good to have Hannah home. So glad to have Hannah home. She texted me this week, and she said, I'm back. And I was like, didn't even went over my head. I didn't even know she's like, I'm back here. So I'm glad you're back. And uh, so glad to have Hannah home, uh, one of our daughters around this house and uh, we're so glad um, today that's kind of awesome because we're talking about our house our family today we've been talking about kingdom culture and um how many left here last week feeling like you're a superhero of some kind yeah so that was awesome and um feeling like god's called you to do something big and uh, it was just a great message from michelle last week and and today i'm really talking on something that's really my heart um there's there's two things that I, I passionately care about. Um, I passionately care about loving, and I passionately care about family. Now I know those those are somewhat synonymous as well, but I passionately care about that. Um, I feel like that the best of us is created in a family environment, and uh, we do we do that well. and And I, I feel like people walk through the doors. I was just thinking about Reagan here, filling in for Heather today. She's sick. And Reagan's one of our sons in this house. And to be able to call on somebody to come help us out in our time of need, it's family. And um, we're so thankful for that. And today, in our, in our kingdom culture that I'm speaking about today, is probably one of the things that when people visit our church and they leave and you would ask them, what is the one thing you would say about that church? And they say, it feels like Family. I was meeting with architects. We're talking about maybe doing some renovation here, building a new building. We're trying to work through some of those numbers. I said, here's one thing I don't want to lose. I don't want to lose our living room environment. I don't know how we're going to keep that, but I want to put that in. That's one of the notes I want you to put down. I want to keep our living room environment. I love that because I feel like I'm sitting with family. And uh, it means a lot. It means a lot. And so... I feel like the Lord today is really on this service. I know the last, our last service at nine service, there was such an anointing in the place, just such an anointing of worship, anointing of the presence of God. And then I walked in here just a moment ago, and there's such a thickness of the spirit of God in here. And look, <clears throat> there's nothing, there's nothing that brings us together like that. When we come to worship together, we're living in a community, in a world, a generation that's finding it less and less important to go to church. I have these discussions weekly. They're finding it less important. I, I can be saved from home. And, Pastor, you've said yourself that church doesn't save you and all of those things. And I agree to all that. Church does not save us. And there's never been one person that went to church and got saved because of church. We're only saved by the blood of the Lamb. And because, of the, because Christ sacrificed, that's what we're saved by. But at the same time, there's nothing greater than a Sunday morning family reunion where we get to come and worship the Lord together or any day of the week. And it's so important to the kingdom of God. And I'm gonna share some of those things with you today of the why that God is is putting in our heart and should be in our heart to do family. Not just here, but in our houses. In our houses and on Monday nights, on Monday nights, every Monday night, Our family gets together, and uh, my kids come to my house. Occasionally, we'll let somebody else come. Um, We'll invite someone else to our table, and we love doing that, actually. But at our family table, there's a lot of conversation that happens about life. And one person can bring up a situation in their life, and the others join in to help them to navigate through that particular situation. Sometimes I don't have much input. It's me and Peyton and a bunch of women. We just listen. We don't have anything to say. We don't know what they're talking about. But but family's so important. And I want to share with you today what a kingdom culture of family looks like and why we need to be a part of that. Thank you, Reagan. Thank you, Reagan. Um, I love it when he plays. I could i have had him play the whole time I was preaching before, but I won't do that to him today. Thank you. Um, where, where's Rihanna at? she leave again? I wanted Rihanna to sing We Are Family. got all my sisters with me. Come on because we are family and uh she made fun of my singing a couple weeks ago i i I, am i am healing from it i'm healing i'm in the process of healing so how do we do a healthy family and live that family life indeed not just in word but indeed because it's easy to say we're family it's another thing to do life as a family can i get a better amen it's real simple to say, oh, yeah, that's my family. But doing life together as a family is a whole nother thing. Um, let me remind you of something. Before God created churches and cities and nations, before all of those existed, God first created family. And, 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 and that's how, the, how he sees the kingdom of God. He sees the kingdom of God as family. I mean, he could have spoke a nation into existence. He could have said, let there be a nation. But he said, no, I'm going, to start with, I'm going to start with Adam, and then I'm going to add Eve, and then they're going to create family, and through them, they're going to reproduce, and family is going to be created, and cities and nations will be created out of family. So that's his heart. That's God's heart. And, and, and it was in a family environment that God then created the cities and nations that were born. So it's important to know that God really loves family. He really loves family. Uh, the Lord spoke to me something as I was preaching in second service, and I'm gonna put it in up here a little earlier, but I'm in mean first service, that the, one of the reasons that this church <clears throat> has such a target on its backs in a spiritual realm, and I'm not saying that other churches don't, I'm just talking about our house today, is because we have declared that we're family. Now listen to me. I want you to listen to me. There's nothing that Satan hates more than family nothing that's why we have so much divorce and hurt and pain Satan hates the family he's always coming against the family and so when you say we are a family church you just paint a big old target on your back you know that the enemy would like to destroy because he knows that in family if one can put a thousand to flight two can put ten thousand to flight and I, and this is not criticism of any other church. I'm actually going to speak against that today at some point. I'm just simply saying this, it's easy to just check in and check out a church and it not cost you something. It's easy just to go in and and but when but when you say, "I'm family, you just said, I'm going to walk with you." When life stinks. I'm going to be there for you when life is difficult. And there's nobody here today that hasn't gone through difficulties in life, by the way. We're either in a storm, going into a storm, coming out of a storm, going into a battle, all those things. We're, that's happening. And it's life that's happening. And somebody like, some people like to say, well, God sent me through this. Michelle talked about it. Like, God sent me through No, God didn't send you through that. Well, the devil did it. No, the devil didn't do it. Life happens. Life. Everybody say life happens. Life happens. Elbow your neighbor and say life happens. It just happens. It just happens. And it's part, it's part of the everyday life. And, and it's sometimes in the middle of life happening, we have to stick together and, and we have to be family. Let me talk to you this morning about how much we come alive when we're a community. My best days are when I'm in community, when I'm around people. I, I hate being alone. I mean, I, I can't stand it. Uh, I'm getting better at that as I get older because I think I'm just got, I don't have enough energy to put something in. So, I, 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 But I do not like being alone. Years ago, my wife went out of town to visit her parents, when they still lived up north and, and i went to tim and michelle's house and spent the night because i didn't want to be home alone uh. slept on their couch because i didn't want to be home alone I, I don't like eating by myself i feel sorry i go in a restaurant if i see someone eating by themselves i feel sorry for them i'm going to go over and sit with them and say hey listen you can come and now some people like that i probably go over and say hey you don't come sit with us and they're like no i'm good i really don't want to sit with anybody. anybody's reason i'm here <laughs> But I always feel sorry for people that are sitting by themselves. And, and I think well, that's terrible that you're having to have a meal alone. I love being around people. Love it, love it, love it. I love big crowds of people. I love, I love it. Just, I, I, I really, if the bigger the crowd, sometimes I just have to drive to New Orleans just so I can drive through traffic. <laughs> crowds of people. Go walk in there as a big city. Give me a New York. I love that. All these people are everywhere. I saw someone post a few weeks ago they were in New York, they was like, get me back to Albany. I was like, get me to New York. More people to love. I love that. But I also understand there's there's the introverted side of the house that of those who like to be alone. They like they like the solitude, the quietness, the uh, you know, just that time alone to be quiet and Audrey and I talk about this a lot because she's she likes to be alone and I like to be with the crowd. And sometimes after work I say, "Hey, you want to come to the house to eat?" She goes, "No, I don't." <laughs> Ryan's out of town. I'm going home. I got the house all to myself, and that sounds painful to me. But that's when she's like in a special place where she can do whatever people that are alone do. I wouldn't know. <laughs> I can't even speak into that. (laughs) But she loves it. It's peaceful to her. But God created this whole thing, and here's what I'm going to tell you. Whether you're the person that likes to be in the crowd or you're the person that likes to be alone, we need each other. And don't ever get caught up in just being in the crowd and missing out on what it means to be a part of a family and just let it be a thing. And don't ever get caught up in I'm an introvert and I want to be alone and not realize how much you really need people in your life. Amen. I know that's so simple, but, but it's easy for us to get caught up in our likes and our personalities and just miss out on what God's trying to say to us that we really, honestly need each other. And I am so much more creative when I'm around a group of people. I'm, I'm a better person around people I need people in my life. They 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 bring out the gifts in me. Sometimes they irritate me. That's and that's good too. Yeah. Sometimes we need to be irritated by people. I had a guy tell me after the first service he said, "People irritate me. I want to go punch people." I want to punch them. I'm like, "So do I." No, don't get holy on me. You want to punch people too. There are people that get on your nerves. But let me tell you something. The person that can get on my nerves greater than anybody in my life is the person that I love the most, Angela. And she can drive me bananas. Because God sent her to sharpen me. Listen to me. We oftentimes get out of we get out of the circle that God's put us in. When God's using the people to sharpen us. And we want to cut people off. And we do it so easily today. Uh, Delete you from my Facebook. Delete you from my Instagram. Delete you from my text. Delete you from my phone. Delete you from, look, it ain't that simple. You may delete them today, but what's going on in your heart can't be deleted. You need people in your life. Everybody got really quiet on me this morning. Can I get an amen section anywhere in here? Okay, thank you, all right. Appreciate it, thank you. So let's talk about this for a little while. And I already know that I'm not gonna get through with this, so I'll quit when you're quit. So when you're done, just raise your hand, and I'll quit. Romans 8. And you did not receive the spirit of religious duty leading you back into fear, of never being good enough. If you think that you're not good enough, you're not listening to God because he don't make junk. Any voice that's telling you that you're not good enough is not God. I'm talking about if you're in relationship with him. Holy Spirit, working in our life, cultivates us into the purpose that he created us for. That's why he said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. It's going to be a teacher to you. It's going to grow you and build you into the person that you were created to be. When you're hearing other voices that say you're not good enough, that's not God. Because he always says you're good. He believes in you. But you have received the spirit of full acceptance. He said, come on, I'm going to accept you into my family not, not just a little bit but a whole lot I'm accepting you in my family when Peyton married my daughter I know we use the terminology my son-in-law but when he married my daughter he became my family he's my son and as protective as I am as of my five girls I am of him he became my son If he's just, I told my mother-in-law the same thing. You remember me telling you, Mimi? I told you, I said, I'm your son now. <laughs> I don't know if she liked it or not, but I still told her. <laughs> I'm your son. So I'm going to honor mom and dad, Mimi and Papa. I'm going to honor them the same level as I honor my parents. There's value in what I'm about to tell you. When you're accepted into the family of God, he doesn't say, oh, You're my stepchild. He says, you're my son and my daughter. He gives you full acceptance into the body of Christ. Somebody said, that's really good. good. I'm enfolded into the family of God, and you will never feel orphaned, for as he has raised up with us, our spirits join him in saying words of tender affection, beloved Father. For the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us as he whispers into our innermost being, you're God's beloved child. Come on, if that don't make you tear up, I don't know what will, but he whispers into your ear, you're God's beloved child. And when I read that, I think about when Jesus was baptism, Baptized, And the father said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And I think about that in our lives, that the Lord is speaking to us, and he's saying, Emily, you're my daughter in whom I'm well pleased. You're, 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 you're special to me. And you're God's beloved child, and since you, you are the true children, we qualify to share in all of his treasures, and indeed, we are heirs of God himself." And since we are joined to Christ, we also inherit all that he is and all that he has. (laughs) Okay, let's say this together. I get all that he is and all that he has. I become. Come on, somebody. My name is Marvin Poole Jesus or something. (laughs) Yahweh, I don't know. I have been enfolded into the family of God, and I get to receive all that he is and all that he has. Can I ask you a little question this morning? Why are we living beneath all that he is and all that he has? Why do we live in a world thinking I'm not or I can't or I won't or all these things of negative when we are all that he is and all that he has? Why can't we simply understand that th- because I know who I am, I can live above and not beneath? I'm the head and not the tail. Right. And I walk into the blessing of God willing to receive all that He is and all that He has. And since we're joined to Christ, we might inherit all that He is. We have experienced being co glorified with Him, providing that we accept His suffering as ours. I want to say this to you this morning. You don't have to suffer to be a part of him. Now, I know the scripture says in the fellowship of his in the power of his resurrection, in the fellowship of his suffering. I realize that we're going to go through some difficult times. But you don't have to be a self-proclaimed martyr to get him. He's already went to the cross. He's already suffered so that you could have it freely. Okay. <laughs> he's got like this Truckload—I don't even know how to describe it. Roomful, warehouseful—a blessing that he's already paid the price for that has your name on it. Yes, amen. Yes. You know, my dad. My dad's a pretty good guy. He's a pretty good guy. If I go to his house, if I ride with someone to Shreveport, or if I take another car, my wife's got my car. When I get ready to go somewhere. I just simply go, he's got a little, by the back door, by his garage, he has this little strip and it has keys on it, and I just go get his keys to his big old Lexus, and I just get in it and go wherever I want to, because it's all his. I don't I don't go, oh, Dad, can I please borrow your car? That's my inheritance. No, I say, I do a warn him that I'm leaving you without a car. <laughs> but I'm not asking I'm just letting informing when I go to Mimi's house I don't ask if I can get her refrigerator I just go get in her refrigerator when my kids come over my house believe me they just go get my refrigerator and when they leave there's nothing left it's all gone we have this inheritance of blessing over our life that's been stamped for us And if you don't get this part, then you're not going to understand what it means to be a part of the family of God. Because what the enemy wants you to believe that you've got to live from this place of an orphan spirit that you're always wanting to get in but can't get in. Are you with me this morning? He said, all that I am and all that I have is yours. Accept it. There's these things that hang over people's heads that... They ask the question, will I fit in? Will I be accepted? Will I be a part? Will I be okay? Can I do that? That all comes out of a religious spirit of not knowing who you are in Christ. And so you're trying to fit into some, something instead of knowing who you are. Now, I'm going to say something here today that might for a moment offend you, but you'll get over it. Don't, don't go around saying people don't accept me when it's you that's made a decision you're not acceptable. If you walk into a room with offense, don't expect people to get over your offense to help you. It's not theirs, it's yours. I've heard people say, well, I didn't connect. Or I don't have a friend. Or nobody called me. or Well, who did you call and who did you connect with and who did you speak to? You see, the enemy wants us to believe that somebody has to roll out the red carpet for us We can't even walk down the red carpet because we don't even know who we are. We don't know that that's all ours and all goodness and all great. And we can't just walk in saying, this belongs to me. Because we have been offended or hurt or wounded somewhere in our life. And so we have this image that the enemy has given us and not the image that God has given us. Now, if I walked into your house, if I walked into somebody's house that I'd never been there before, I wouldn't, you know... Prop my feet up on their table, or go in their refrigerator. Well, I probably would go in their refrigerator. But I, there are certain things I probably wouldn't do because I wouldn't know the culture of your house. I didn't. Know, I know this. I know that some people want you to take off the shoes at the door. So if I'm walking in their door and I see everybody else's shoes there, I'm not going to just go like, well, you know that to get over it. <laughs> But there are things that I know who I am, and I don't have to worry about what somebody else is thinking because I've tapped into the goodness of God in my own life and what he has for me. And so I have confidence that when I walk into his house, I know who I am. Are you with me this morning? If you live out of offense, if you live out of hurt, or if you lived out of something that was, that's, that's broken in your life, you can never live... Like a king's kid, you'll always live like an orphan. Let me help you with something. When we live offended or hurt with people, we always reopen wounds that are unnecessary. Someone can say something to you, and because you're offended, you will go back and, and 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 redig old graves that God has already covered up and put under the blood there has to be this point in your life that you walk in the confidence of who God created you to be and then you can live a life that is not just pleasing to him but it embraces people around you am i making any sense to you this morning Now I've heard people say things like this, and I start. I have in my notes. I've heard people say about other Christians. I really shouldn't call them a Christian if they say this. And here's where we get in. We get in. Sometimes get in the thick of things. It's like they'll talk about another church or another group of people, and they'll say, "Well, they're not my tribe. They're not my camp. They're not in my camp." Let me let me let me help you with something. <laughs> if they believe that they've been born again they believe in Jesus, they believe in the death, burial, and resurrection, they believe in the blood of Jesus, then who am I to say they're not in my camp? Well, What about their title, their name? They're they're a Baptist or a Methodist or a Presbyterian or whatever. Who cares? (laughs) We're so caught up in all these titles and names and stuff that we have divided the family of God. (laughs) If you're concerned about our nation then stop using your tongue to divide it. It doesn't matter if they're a Democrat or a Republican or, or what they're, love people and let God sort out the rest. There's so much hate in our nation right now. I mean, so much hate. I mean, look, it's okay for you to have your political opinion. I have mine and I'm very strong about my political opinion. If you don't believe it, come talk to me. I'll tell you. Huh, Hannah? Yeah, yeah I'll tell you. <laughs> I'm very strong in my political beliefs. And I'm not apologize for them because I feel like they're based, most of us based on what I believe is, is the Bible. But if someone differs with me, it doesn't mean that I'm going to cut them off. I'm going to hate you. I'm going dis- to disagree, so I'm going to disown. When the Scripture tells us that we're all God's kids... Every one of us. We're all God's children. If we've been saved and we've been set apart, then we're all God's kids. Then we should love with a compassion for people. And then you disagree with them. It's okay to disagree, all right? It's all right to say, I disagree with you, but I love you. And our, and our society now is, if you don't agree with me, then I'll kill you. Maybe not with a gun or with a knife, but with my tongue with my words yeah. I'll destroy you I'll come against everything in you and it's divided not only the nation but it's divided the church boy it's quiet in here today I feel like T.D. Jakes I feel somebody's toes under my feet <laughs> don't, don't, don't let your heart go there love people Listen, I got this amazing wife. She is like amazing. She's like, blows my mind every day about how amazing she is. There's some things we just don't agree on. And she has a right to be wrong. <laughs> she feels the same way about me. <laughs> but we're so divided over things that don't really matter. If we could unite over the things that matter, you know do you know how powerful the church would be? The church would be the most powerful force on the planet. There were 12 tribes in the, in, in the nation of Israel, and they all had different, uh, different things they did, but they were still united as one. And any time that we divide over what we think is most important, then we are hurting the whole. And I'm not just talking politically today. I'm talking about the church. I'm talking about this church. If we, if we unite over the things that matter, then we bring a unity and a power that is unstoppable, and a, an unstoppable force. We need to recognize the value in every person and continue to show love in every believer. How we see each other is how we respond in love. How you see someone is how you'll respond to them. What kind of lens are you wearing? How, how you see someone is how you respond to someone. If you see someone as a child of God, you'll always love them like a brother and sister. But if you, if you start measuring them, then all of a sudden a problem gets created because now I'm measuring, I'm, I'm deciding where they fit in. No, no, I don't need to decide where they fit in. That's not my goal. That's not my job. My job is to love and let God do the work in their life. Yeah. So we need to respond in love and loving people in the way that the Father loves them and how He created them to love. And Philippians says, be free from pride and, fi- and uh, pride-filled opinions, for they will only harm your cherished unity. Don't allow self-promotion to hide in your hearts. But in authentic humility, put others first and view others more important than yourself. Now, this word I'm supposed to read to you, I want you to pay attention. Abandon every display of selfishness. I want everybody to say that together. Abandon every display of selfishness. Michelle and I was on the phone the other day. I was driving into Starbucks, and this car just phew, cut me off. Like, they, they had, their, had their coffee before me. It was more important. And I was like, whoa, dude, what's up? And we were, and I said, like, okay, so this person's coffee was more important than anything else right then. Because, and they wasn't mad at me, didn't know me, wasn't personal. But I'm thinking about the world we live in right now. Everybody is about themselves. And if I, if I could just put myself, I'm, I'm, I'm out. To, I got to get it before you get it. I got I to be first. I got to have this. I got to have that. It's not a giving spirit at all. It's not the th- like, hey, you know what? I'm going to put you first. Hey, you go first in line. Hey, you step in front of me. It's all this selfishness. And the Lord said, abandon all that selfishness. Abandon all that pride and humble yourself so that you can love people the way you ought to love them. Possess a greater concern for what matters to others instead of your own interest. And concern, and consider the example that, G, uh, that Jesus, the anointed one, has set before us. Let his mindset become your motivation. I want you to write that down. <laughs> Say, I'm gonna let his mindset become my motivation. I'm gonna let what he's saying become, my, how, how does Jesus see people? I'm sure Jesus probably didn't run them over in the coffee line. I'm sure Jesus probably didn't, didn't say, hey, what I want is more important than what you want. I believe Jesus went about serving people and taking care of people and feeding people and healing people and, and, and restoring people. And he always was putting people first. In Romans 12, it says this, let the manner of, let the inner movement of your heart always be love to love one another and never play the role of an actor wearing a mask. All right, I'm gonna talk to you about your mask for just a minute. What time is it? I already decided I'm not going to finish this sermon like yesterday or day before yesterday. we It's so easy to put our mask on and go through life just pretending. On either side of the spectrum, by the way. The, 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 the prideful, listen, both things are pride. Let me, let, me, let, me, let me help you with this. A person that's the person that's polishing their Rolls Royce at the front door so everybody knows that it's theirs and the person that, drives, that parks their beat up truck down the road so that nobody knows it's theirs, they're both pride. And a prideful person will always put himself first in line. It's a mask that we wear. Let's remove those masks. Let's take that mask off and let's humble ourselves And let's be transparent, and let's be vulnerable with our life. Can I talk to you about about vulnerability? When we take the mask off, and we become vulnerable with our life, and we become transparent with our life, and we become willing to share our life, then things change in our life. Listen, you cannot, I need people in my life, so I have to have vulnerability. I have to have the ability to say, there's something broke inside of me. There's people that I call, there's people that I talk to that I say, listen, I need you to pray for me. Why? There's something broke inside of me. In my, I'm not thinking straight, or I'm not doing right, or I, I got this going on in my life. And, and don't look at me like that. You got stuff broke inside of you, too. And we need to take that mask off and put people in our life so we can be healed. That's why the Scripture says, confessing your faults one to another that you might be... What's the answer? Healed. People say that scripture wrong. They say, confessing your faults one to another that you might be saved. That's not what the scripture says. It says, confessing your faults one to another that you might be healed. And there's a lot of brokenness in us because we're not willing to be transparent, and we go around wearing our mask because it's easy to check in church and check out of church and stay the same. But in a family unit, there's vulnerability. There's vulnerability. We have kids in the room today, and I want to be careful with what I'm saying, but you don't ever get to the place of healing in your marriage without vulnerability. And you don't ever get to the place of healing in your life without vulnerability. You have to be transparent. You have to be open. You cannot, you cannot carry yourself behind a mask and expect to be healed. Somebody asked me a few weeks ago about, about our church. So I was asking me a question. I said, well, I think one of the things that we really strive for is authenticity, I think, I think in the middle of tri- striving for authenticity, you have to be careful of that because, because uh, the enemy don't want us to be real because then we'll be healed. Family has to get real, man. Just say I'm having a bad day. It's okay to have a bad day. Sometimes you have a bad day. Now, I'm not talking about, there's people that I, I don't ask them how they're doing, like you ain't asking you how you're doing because I don't want to get vomit on for like a, 30 minutes or so. I ain't talking about that. That's not, that's not what I'm talking about. But it's okay to say, listen, I'm having a bad day or a bad week or a bad month, and I just need somebody to pray for me. I need some, and family, the culture that God wants us to create is a family that has the ability to do that has the ability not to live in a place of offense, but has the ability to say, listen, some days I need help. Are y'all with me this morning? And so it's important that we do that. Despise evil, embrace everything that's good and virtuous. Be devoted to tenderly loving your fellow believers and members of one family. Try to outdo yourself and respect and honor in one another. Try to outdo, outdo. I, I I try to do that. Like if you buy me lunch, I'm buying your next three lunches. If you say, if, if, if I do this all the time. People say, I love you. I say, I love you more. I, if you're going to raise the bar, I'm raising the bar. If you're gonna, I'm going to raise the bar. I'm going to love you more than you love me. I'm going to respect you more than you respect me. I'm going to go the extra mile. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to outdo you in honor I'm going to try to find something good about you that I can say. We all got faults. It seems like we like to capitalize on the faults. Why don't we capitalize on finding something good about somebody and say, man, I really love the way you cook. I love the way you smile. I love the way you hug. I love the way you speak. I love the way you encourage. I love the way. Find something good and try to honor them and encourage and lift them up what family does you know what that does that heals people that heals people heals people heals people to know that hey they matter and that you're trying to respect and you're trying to love and you're trying to heal let's birth forth within you let let this hope burst forth within you and release continual joy and don't give up in the time of trouble but commune with god at all times how many's ever walked through trouble Okay. take constant interest in the needs of God's beloved people and respond by helping them and eagerly welcome people as guests into your home remember your house the place you live no matter what it looks like or how big or small it is it's where God wants you to do ministry at Invite people into your home. Feed them a meal. Love on people. I'm telling you, it will transform your life. And we make all kinds of excuses why we can't have people at home. And why, look, just open your home. And remember this, God gave it to you to begin with. And it belongs to him to start with. So just open your home and love people. And watch what happens. Live happily together in the spirit of harmony. I think I skipped a whole bunch. Speak blessing and not cursing over those who reject and persecute you. Celebrate with those who celebrate. Weep with those who are grieving. Live happily together in the spirit of harmony and be mindful of others' worth as your own. Don't live with lofty mindset thinking that you're too important to serve others. And, but be willing to, to do the menial task and identify with those who are humble mind. You're not too good. Everybody, everybody you ain't too good. Listen, don't go, get out the car and, at, at the grocery store and you know just run over those buggies that are in the parking lot. Get out and put them up. Love on people. Pick up the trash. Treat people with kindness. Love on people with an honest heart and create an environment where people feel like you care about them because you do. And don't be smug or even think for a moment that you know it all. Never hold a grudge or try to get even, but plan your life around the noblest way to benefit others. Do your best to live as everybody's friend. Now, I'm gonna be honest with you. When I read that, I was like, do your best to live as everybody's friend. I can't be everybody's friend. I tried that before. But do your best to be friendly to everybody, to be a friend, to just touch life. Beloved, don't be obsessed with taking revenge, but leave that to God's righteousness and justice. For the scripture says if you don't take justice into your own hands, I will release justice for you, says the Lord. And if your enemy is hungry, buy him lunch, win him over with kindness, for your surprising generosity will awaken his conscience and God will reward him with favor. You notice it said God will reward him with favor. And let the evil defeat, never let evil defeat you, but defeat evil with good. I'm going to stop right there. When we live in covenant relationships with people, it can get very difficult. I told Christy, I said, "I, I love you. And she got all she got Christy one time and she moved to Houston. <laughs> and she ran away. Guess what I did? I drove to Houston and found her. And I I, I have to tell you I kinda of had an excuse, but I kind of worked it where it worked. My dad could have carried me to the airport. Well, my mom, because my dad was in the hospital, right? My mom could have carried me to the airport, but I said, Christy, I need a ride to the airport. Can you come get me and take me to the airport? By the way, let's stop at this restaurant and eat so I can preach to you for about two hours. (laughs) And so I took her, we went to eat. And I just loved on her. I really didn't preach to her. I just told her how amazing she was, how wonderful she was, how great she was, how blessed she was, how much Jesus loved her. You know, that didn't take a whole lot of effort. I like to eat anyway. (laughs) You don't give up on people when you're in covenant relationship. You don't say I'm in covenant relationship with you, but when times get hard, I'm checking out because it's too much work. I'm in covenant relationship, but when you're having a bad day, don't call me. In covenant relationship, we, go, we, we work hard to help. That, that's when we step up. That's when, that's, that's when the best time is Like When you're going through the situation, that's when it's my time to step up and hold you up. It's so easy to run away from that. It's so easy to run away when times are tough and, and, and say, you know what? I love you, but you. this is your mess. Figure out how to get out of it. My God, I'm thankful that people helped me through my mess. Amen. I'm glad people didn't run away from me when I was in a mess. I've been in some messes before. But I've put myself, I'm, I'm like David said, I, all because of me, I'm in this mess. I mean, have you ever prayed that prayer, Lord, look at this mess I've made? Yeah. And I'm so thankful that people come along beside me in my mess to help me. Now, I wanna come back to this message at some point, and I wanna talk about how to live in a covenant relationship with people. I've had people say, I'm in covenant relationship with you, but when I made a decision that didn't fit their mode, I didn't hear from them ever again. God's called us to change this world. And I want to put this as a baseline. If we learn to love people like, he, like we should love people, there's nothing that can stop us from changing the world around us. Nothing. There's no, there's, there, we won't see color. We won't see social status. We won't see the rich or poor. We won't see any of those things. And God will begin to change our lens of how we see people. And our life will be opened up to the blessing of God. And I want it to be said of this house. I want it to be said of this house that this is a place where we're family. And when you're hurting, I'm going to hurt with you. And when you're, when you're walking through the storm, I'm going to walk with you. But let me, let me help you just a minute before we go. If you're walking through a storm and don't tell nobody... Shame on you. I, I had somebody years ago leave this church because they said I didn't show up at the hospital when they were having a baby. I knew that they were pregnant, obviously, but I didn't know the day they were having the baby. And then there was a post on Facebook, we don't want anybody at the hospital, when I did find out there was a baby. And so I was trying to honor the post on the Facebook and then they were mad because I didn't show up for the baby. I'm like, wait a minute. You see how sometimes we can just make that so confusing because we, we, we just call me and say, hey, I'm having a baby and I want you here. <laughs> it's real simple. And I'm coming. Or I'm having a trouble. I'm going through a storm. I need you, Pastor. Or I'm going through a storm, and I need you, sister or brother. And then we communicate, and then we carry each other and carry each other's burdens and help one another. I'm just going to wade off into it. I'm already here. But don't live an isolated life and then expect everybody to figure out how to step into your world. Am I helping anybody today? All right. It's our calling. It's our purpose. And we're going to love big, and we're going to love deep, and we're going to go after people, and we're going to have a church where people just work together and serve Amen. together and love together. Amen. And I'm declaring over this house breakthrough. Yes. I'm declaring it. I'm declaring, I'm declaring over this house a breakthrough moment where, where, where the enemy is so afraid of this family and this covenant relationship that we have it's peace petrified that we're going we're to do what we're going to do together because we're relationship, and we're in love with one another, and we care about one another, and we work together to serve one another. It's going to break some strongholds over our life. Are you all with me this morning? Uh, Reagan, you can come. People matter, and every little thing that we do matters. I was praying about yesterday. The Lord just began to speak to me about some things, like serving our community. And I was like, "Lord, you know, we love serving our community." And He said, "Yeah, I remember a day that when you you worked really hard at serving your community, we came here and we years ago and we." We had this old broke-down van, King's Temple van. You remember that, Papa? The old brown King's Temple van. It had 300,000 miles on when they gave it to me. I drove it from Streetport to here, and I prayed the whole way, please, God, let this thing make it. I mean, it shaked, rattled, and barely rolled. And we went out in this community, and we just picked up kids. Sometimes we'd have 60, 70 kids And I'd had to make a bunch of trips in that little van, pick them all up. I'm glad the police didn't stop us because we'd have 20 kids, 30 kids packed in there just. And we didn't have to go far to get them. Our church, where our church was located, we just, a few blocks. And we'd pick those kids up and bring them to church. Back in those days, Peyton, I'd get up and do children's church and I'd dress up like a clown. Or I'd do a costume or I'd do something and I would preach to the kids. And then because back in those days too you had to be holy to preach to adults, I went and put a suit on. Had a necktie on. You had a more, I'm being funny. You had more anointing when you wore a suit. And we was, in, we was changing the world because we were loving people these kids come from broken homes and wounded children and, and the majority of these kids were African-American kids, but we weren't targeting African-American kids, we just, that's who was close in our neighborhood. Other day, Holly was at, picking up some makeup from a store, and she run her card, and this girl said, this young, beautiful girl, she said, Is Pastor Poole, Marvin Poole, your dad? She goes, yeah, that's my dad. And she said, he used to pick me up on the church van and bring me to church. She said, I'm going to come visit y'all. She come home and told me that story. And I remember, I remember. I remember the, the day her grandmother died. And I told my wife, I said, it's gonna be bad for these kids because the grandmother was the protector. She watched over them, she cared for them. I remember days going into their home and she laid on the couch and she would just, she would be instructing the kids from the couch because she was too feeble to get up. But she was a watchman over these kids. And sure enough, after she died, I I ran into one of these little girls. and Two girls lived in the home. She was 14 years old, and she was pregnant. She was almost embarrassed to see me. And I put my arms around her, and I gave her a big hug. It was obvious that she was pregnant. And she began to cry, a tear rolled down her face. head down low and she said my mom's been prostituting me out for drugs I'm not telling you a sad story today to tell you a sad story because God ultimately is in control he can reach their lives, he can touch them, I'm just telling you that there's a world that needs a family (laughs) and they need a safe place They need a harbor that they can go to. They need a place that they can run. Because life is not always deals you the card you want. Life is not always the place that gives you the everything that you need. And so many times we can get so caught up in our world. My family. My little Holly. My little Heather my little hannah my little heidi my little haley my peyton my new baby girl amelia i can get so caught up in my little world that i forget that god told me that i'm a father to many And that people are broken and they need a safe place. They need a place that they can walk in the doors. And we don't just feel like a family. But we act like a family. And we fight for them. And we go the extra mile and we, and we make the sacrifice necessary. I'll end with this story. I pulled up to pizza place one day, Domino's Pizza. And this tall, young man comes sticking his head out the window, and he just kept growing out that window. He must have been 6'6". Six, six. <laughs> Pastor Poole, what are you doing, man? I said, getting pizza? <laughs> he said, Do you remember me? I said, no, I remember you. He said, you picked me up when I was a kid on the bus. He said, I'm a youth pastor at my church and in meet now. So we plant seeds and we help people and we love people. And then God comes in and he does what we cannot do, but we're responsible to do what we can do. Scripture says, even so much more for those that are in the household of faith. You see, I have a responsibility to the Bird family. I have a responsibility to Hannah. I have a responsibility to you guys, and I have a responsibility to love even when it hurts. And you have the same responsibility. I'm thankful for this little bald-headed fella right here. I'm thankful for him. See, y'all don't, y'all see probably one side of him. But in my darkest time of my life. Well, I didn't feel like anybody loved me. When nobody cared about me, when I was out, I felt, I just, honestly, I didn't want to commit suicide, but I wanted to die. I said, God, just let me die. Just let me lay down and go to sleep and not wake up. Because I'm no good to anybody. I'm no good to anybody. That was a lie. How I many know that was a lie. But I was believing that lie. But this guy right here, he just kept loving me. I'd say some awful things to him. I'd push him away. I rejected him because I was unlovable because I had something going on. But he just loved me. Pastor Lane, him and Pastor Lane would take me to lunch. And I I was like, I don't want to go to lunch with y'all. And they just love on me. They didn't preach to me. They didn't tell me I was wrong. They didn't beat me up. Oh, he has done that some other times, but not in this particular situation. (laughs) And I really believe today because I had people in my life that was family that walked me through some of the darkest times of my life when I couldn't hear from God. Listen to me. I would email or I would call my elders and say, I cannot hear from God. I need something to preach on Sunday. And they would email me a message or they would send me a message and I would get up and preach that message and I would get so mad at God because the Holy Spirit would fall in this church and people's life would be touched and I'd go home empty. (laughs) I'm telling you this today because there's nobody in this place that don't walk through seasons of their life that they feel like God's a million miles away. That's when we need each other. John, that's when I need you to, to help me. To say, hey, come on, Pastor. You're going to be all right. You're going to make it. Can I have five more minutes? I know it's late, but there's people that's left this church that hurt me so bad. I mean, just wounded me, man. They can't just couldn't just leave. They had to say all kinds of mean stuff. I remember a season of my life when when people would was walking out the door and it was just brutal, brutal. There was a time that that in that season that. This, that Tim was walking with me, we had over a hundred people leave this house. Hurtful, painful. I was praying one day, and and the the Lord revealed to me, and He spoke to my heart. He says, "As long as you continue to carry that in your heart, you're gonna." You're going to continue to get deeper in a place of pain and hurt. You got to set people free. You got to love people. I'm going to tell you today that was the greatest breakthrough of my life because you know why? Because I, I realized that I can love people who leave me. I can love people who walk out the door. I can love people who God moves on to another place in their life. I can love people in their next. But what I can't do is carry something that I can't carry. And when we love like he loves... I remember praying that prayer, and the Lord said, well, You've never been boiled in oil. You've never been hung on a cross upside down. You've never been stoned. And you've never carried a crown of thorns upon your head. This is not about you. See, the enemy wants to make it about me, my feelings, my hurt, my pain because he knows he wants me to get me in a deeper place. But what I can say, this is all about you and I'm going to love regardless. I'm going to forgive regardless. And I'm going to set people free because I want to be free. That make any sense? We have a mandate. We have a calling. We have a purpose. And that's to love people unconditionally like the Father loves us and to be a family that sticks together, that loves our neighbors, that loves our neighboring churches, that loves our neighboring cities, that loves our, neighboring, our neighbors next door to us. <laughs> yeah, the one that hollers at you, the one that screams at you, the one that dogs, they have the dog that poops in your yard. gotta love them because that's what god called us to do is to love call us to love can you stand with me this morning